We can be found on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Like, share, subscribe, and leave us a comment down below. Now, on with the show. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Fucking thing. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Right. Fuck it. Death Holler is a horror cast created by two true horror fans to bring to the table your favorite horror films. Topics include, but are not limited to, historical horror, gore, the occult, and terror. Listener discretion is advised. And we can hear each other again. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. Looks like Cthulhu might have uh, interfered yes. in our uh, internet signal there for a second. I, I'm back. I tell you, he cut my voice box off. <laughs> it was um, interesting. <laughs> so I think he's a little mad at me. <laughs> he, he's apparently mad at both of us because we didn't like this series. But I mean, you know, it is what it is, or at least the end part of this series. Exactly. So. It, we we were talking about the perverse. It, it, it you know it was a bad episode. It was bad enough that you know the the way they kind of laid it out and kind of the MacGuffins that you know both introduced it and ended it. And it would have and my thoughts were if we if the next episode in the series uh, or in the season would have been you know something that you know was really great and really picked things up, it might have you know made up a little bit for the fact that we got that lackluster episode. And, and you can, you know, correct me if, or you can tell me your thoughts on this, you know, just please, you know, uh, give them, you know, go ahead, you know, on this next episode, the cosmic, but I felt like we went from a bad episode to a blah episode. It was like, uh, you know, the cosmic episode didn't really have an entity either. It was basically the threat was the realms of heaven, hell, and earth were all colliding together and causing all these earthquakes and all these weird, you know, people were popping up in the different places. Hell was coming to Earth. Hell was coming to Earth. You had Metatron uh, that came to Earth, was pissed off because, you know, there was two Sabrinas and, you know, the, the, and she was trying to manipulate the, you know, the witches of Hecate to, uh, which going on that, that's really all I remember about this episode is all the witches grouped together, you know, in the Witches Academy and they were basically, you know, griping the, you know, Metatron and that's really the bulk of the episode to me. I mean, there was maybe a little bit more, but that's really what it was, you know, about. And it was basically, you know, her trying to convince them that one of the Sabrinas or both had to die and they basically said, you know, fuck it, we're not killing either one of them. Let's just send one of them off into an alternate dimension. That'll get rid of the problem. That way, you know, because the whole theory was the cosmic was, you know, the 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 three realms were collapsing or into each other because, you know, the the time anomaly that, you know, the two Sabrinas presented. And I don't know. I mean, it's there wasn't really a, a, a big bad other than that, that for, you know, thing that was happening, and and I just didn't feel like, and that, like I said, I felt like it was mainly an episode of them just standing around in a circle, you know, kind of like, well, we're not going to do that, but you know, what if we do this? And it, you know, they're really, I don't feel like a whole lot went on in this episode. Oh no, I 100% agree with you, and I was kind of excited to find out that this, uh, I don't know, I thought when I saw the screenshot for this episode, and I'm like the cosmic, and then I find out that this entity I'm that they're showing is Metatron, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be good. And I think I set my expectations too high because when I was let down, I was let down like a ball drop. (laughs) It wasn't anything amazing. Uh, Metatron was such a weak 
entity in this in this episode. Definitely not happy with that at all. Well, basically, the way, yeah, the way they defeated her was they all just grouped together, you know, powered to, you know, like joined powers together as a, as a group and snapped her neck. I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah, I'm like, okay, that was, it was that easy. A bunch of, look it, I know these witches have their own version of the power of prayer, okay, but come on now. You, really, an entity that's that old, that's been around for how long that has how much experience and that's how you just snapped their neck. I thoroughly disappointed in that. And then on top of that, the whole Metatron trying to say, basically being a terrible liar. I don't know if you picked up on that. Oh yeah. 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 It was, it was, Oh yeah. Sabrina has to die. She was really like, uh, you know, uh, sketchy eye, like side to side. <laughs> I was getting ready you know? to say it was, uh, it was that classic cartoon thing. It's like, oh yeah, Sabrina's got to die. And then like the eyes rolling off to the side, like, hope they don't catch me on this. Yeah. <laughs> and might as well have this like rolled mustache where they're, you know, touching the ends and perfecting them. Like, <laughs> it was terrible. And then it's like, yeah, that's uh, absolutely what you have to do. That's the ticket. And then when they find out, okay, well, that's not what we have to do. There's another way. They're like, well, it's just the easiest way. Look, I fucking get that, you know. But I, <laughs> oh, the way they they carried it was just terrible. I think the biggest thing that bothered me, too, about it was that if you go back to season two, and, you know, like I said, it was kind of a clusterfuck season or, uh, or you know, part of it. But you you had the those witch hunters that were the angelic witch hunters they they made them out to be like extremely powerful i mean it took like a, a f- quite a few episodes before they were able to actually come up with a way to defeat them and i think actually it took resurrected you know badass sabrina to actually get rid of them and in this i mean just like we said you got metatron who's like top of the food chain when it comes to the celestials in this series and just oh no let's just all gain together and snap their neck why didn't they do that to the witch hunters? Just, just saying. I mean, it's you know, it's kind of like they rewrote their own mythos and did it in a lot, you know, uh, you know, lamer way, basically. I think it makes it look like reality, which I hate to point out. I am a woman. I feel I have the right to say this, but women do not like each other sometimes. So when you are upset with a bitch, <laughs> you, the power of what's in your thoughts, if what is in your head could happen to the woman that you hate so much that you're either jealous of, uh, have some kind of ill will against, this is the perfect example of what could happen, <laughs> especially a group of women that hate you. It's like mean girls. Okay. <laughs> if they will ruin you. Well, that, I mean, that that does, you know, have that thematic, uh, you know, part to it. I, if I was going to say anything about this episode, the best part was, was and, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, is literally when Sabrina Morningstar goes into the alternate reality and then we see that she's in another reality where the, the Aunt Hilda and Aunt Zelda are the ones from the old, you know, 1996 uh, Melissa Joan Hart TV series. The, yes, and Talking Salem. Yeah, and, and Talking Salem. That was the, <laughs> the <laughs> that was the best part of this episode because everything else up to it, it's like, okay, ho-hum, you know, ooh, they defeated Metatron, but then it's like, oh, well, that's the show I want to see, you know. So. Well, here's my thing is I don't even associate that part of the episode with this. That in itself to me was its own episode because once she went to that parallel universe, it felt like everything changed. It felt like a whole new episode. Yeah, and it and a much better one at that. Yeah, and it felt tacked on. You know, honestly, it was like, uh, you know, hey guys, let's let's put this on there to kind of spice things up a little bit. And 
I don't know. It's it, it was just bad to have this lackluster episode right after having that really you know bad episode with the perverse and you know and Father Blackwood and all that stuff. So um, they and strangely they went from this one to the next episode that we're going to discuss is the returned. It the, the returned actually I liked quite a bit better. Um, it was a neat idea. I liked the lore of it. The the Eldritch Terror wasn't actually anything Lovecraftian in this one. It was actually biblical, and I thought that was cool. It was a uh, Lazarus of all of you know all beings you know that uh, was bringing back these long dead people. Uh, you know uh, I think uh, Aunt uh, Hilda or no is Zelda had her, one of her like familiars brought back to life the the puppy the beagle dog and oh yeah and she was happy but it wasn't necessarily a good thing yeah they, they kind of played on the whole uh, uh you know pet cemetery type thing uh where you know yeah. like when they come back they're not quite the same as they were whenever they you know they died and uh that's very exemplified by Sabrina's father who actually becomes the bastard in the TV show that he was in the comics for this, uh, you know. Uh, they basically, they took his original character and they brought it to life in this, and I'm going to respect that, honestly. Yeah, and it, it was cool that they did that. I mean, and I and like I said, I like the lore of Lazarus being the one that was the one causing all this. Uh, uh, Mambo Marie was the one that was kind of playing a, uh, a game of, uh, it, was, it was some kind of, uh, like, chess or something like that, where they were a game of cards trying to, you know. I was just going to say that. They had, like, a death chess game, which I thought was fucking badass. I think the chess board, the chess pieces, and how they really went about it with the screen, you know, how they were filming it, um, the sound of the chess pieces moving, I really think that was the best quality. It it was it was really cool, and I and and I enjoyed too the fact that uh, they included in the lore part of this that to defeat Lazarus they actually had to have, you know, the spear of destiny, the spear of Longinus, whatever you want to call it, the spear that you know pierced Christ's side was the thing that had to be used to kill Lazarus because it had to be the thing that killed the Nazarene or as they call you know Jesus in this. So I thought that was a neat little bit yeah. of lore that they you know used that that particular item to uh, dispatch this one because actually of all the ones in this this last season that was the best way to deal with a villain of all of them because it was thematically fit it wasn't just like some kind of weird like one-off like oh i came up with this out of you know it's like it it it, it was like season three it, it tied into everything. Oh, yeah, and very well, too, and it just, I don't know, it just, maybe it's because we're, you know, adults versus young adults, you know? I I know they have to have certain things in it, like you have on the notes, the satanic panic part. You have to have <laughs> stuff for the younger generation to kind of maybe adhere to, but as someone who's slightly older and above that, I'm just like, I like this way better. It had that supernatural feel to it that we used to have in the first five seasons. Yeah, yeah, it did. And and especially at the end of it, I mean, talking you know more about the good points, when they revealed that Mambo Marie was actually uh, actually Baron Samiti, the the Lao, the Voodoo Lao, um, that that was awesome because I mean that was perfectly working in voodoo lore into this series and and how Baron Samiti is, you know, uh, depicted as being both sexes in the voodoo, you know, mythology. And so it, I don't know, it, it was, it was a good way to tie that in and how he was trying yeah. to, you know, get the dead back to, you know, their, you know, intended place. Um, Look, just like the voodoo man from uh, Frog, the 
the princess frog or frog princess. Yeah, yeah, princess and the frog. Yeah. And I love the artwork was beautiful. Well, not even the artwork. I should say the makeup, the costume itself. They did an amazing job. It. I was, I mean, it was one of the best twists. I mean, because, you know, up to that point, I, you know, we enjoyed the character, but then whenever they revealed, you know, who the character was originally intended to be, I was like, now that was a good twist. You know, that was a good way to, you know, work all this in. Um, but you mentioned, you know, going, that, that was the, the good. You mentioned the, the bad for me was all the satanic panic stuff. I mean, that was so unnecessary. The, the literally the episode devolved down to the point where there was a uh, battle of the bands, and I don't. I mean, you've got this epic chess game between you know Baron Smeedy and you know Lazarus, and you know got all that cool stuff going on, and then like all the teenagers are gathered together, and you got Lucifer in like what looks like a polyester white seventies suit or something at some point. God. And, you know, and they're all like gathered together to, you know, like, well, we got to, the only way we can send satanic panic back to hell, you know, because it's this group of teenage kids that caused the, it, it was, sometimes they come back, you know, the Stephen King story just oh, redone. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, it was like you took the punks that went around bullying everybody and now they're back from hell and they're, you know, trying to kill everybody that they, you know, that they can. And it, it was just, it, it didn't, I mean, it fit with the episodes. It was like the Dollar Tree version of Sometimes They Come Back. <laughs> it was exactly the Dollar Tree version of it. I mean, it was, I, it fit thematically with the episode, but I mean, it was so goofy in the fact that they, you know, like while you, you know, having all this epic stuff going on, it's like literally let's, well, let's just sing and whoever does the best job, you know, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know, I, I guess it plays into the whole like devil went down to Georgia thing where you're battling, you know, with the devil and, and all that stuff. But I mean, and, and let, let's get to the music. I thought these songs were better than Radio Doo. I'll just put it out there. Oh my God. But I know that. <laughs> Way better. And me and you like the opposite songs. <laughs> that's, that's. Like I actually liked Time Warp and Time Warp, Time Warp is not like, I get it. It's from a cult classic. It's not. My favorite. I actually, I actually, um, but I like how they did it. I actually did like Time Warp, and I thought that, I mean, if, if it was the characters singing, you know, the actual actors and actresses singing the song, I thought they did a pretty good, or actually a very good job of singing it, because especially um, uh, the, the actor who plays Harvey, I mean, he actually sounded, you know, like... Um, you know, the, the, the guy who sings in the movie for Rocky Horror Picture Show, so... They all did a really good job. Yeah, if they sang that, I was impressed. I was like, okay, and I think that's what I liked about it. It seemed more authentic. It felt that way. Um, what was the other song? Uh, I, sw- I, it was forgettable for me, sweet, obviously. Sweet Child of Mine was the one that Sabrina uh, sang to actually win oh, it. Oh, I hated that one. And I thought it was good. I mean, it was a good rendition of it, but it, it like... It was good, it, yeah. But it, like you said, it wasn't, it wasn't as good as the other one, and I was kind of surprised that they, you know... Uh, went that route as being like, well, obviously it's Sabrina's show. We've got to have her save everything. But I really felt like the Fright Club did the better job. If you're going to go, you know, you know, buy into this and say which one actually beat Satanic Panic, you know. But I don't know. It it, it was like watching Rock Band. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> played that game. Yeah. <laughs> or even Guitar Hero. It was like watching where the crowd is like you hear them, you know, screaming and then encore and all that shit. Yeah, that, that's. It was pretty generic like that. You know, I liked in this episode, well, not liked, but it was, it kind of drew, I'm pretty sure it was this episode um, where Sabrina, not only was Sabrina's dad an asshole, but Lucifer basically just denied 
the Sabrina Spellman, obviously he only identifies Sabrina Morningstar as his daughter. Oh, that so, that is true. Yes, yeah, I forgot about that part of it. Sabrina Spellman has basically has no father. Yeah, that that was an inter- that's an interesting thought. I didn't even think about that whenever I was you know watching this particular episode. But that's true because you know at this point Lucifer is is very uh, pissed off at everyone because they sent his true daughter off to possibly die in this alternate reality and you know he and and that's part of the reason why you know he factors into this episode yeah and and then edward doesn't want to have anything to do with sabrina spellman because i mean whether it's because he's an altered version of who he was or it's actually the real version of who he was and you know they're you know him being returned is finally brought out as true inner self you know whatever the reason he's not the father that she expected him to be Exactly. Um, I also want to kind of throw out the fact that Lucifer, fucking king of darkness, okay, fucking king of hell, did absolutely nothing <laughs> to save his daughter. Did nothing. No. It was just like, well, you guys messed it up, so you guys fix it. Yeah, and I don't know. This episode in particular just paints him even more weak than what he was. You know, like how you said that in a previous episode, he was kind of cowering in hell. And it's like, well, you deal with the eldritch terrors, you know. It's like this episode just, I mean, he, I don't know, he just seems goofy at this point. I mean, like he, it kind of stri- strips yeah, him. Yeah, it's like, what, what are you good for? It kind of strips him of any of the, you know, like badass imagery that the previous seasons of the show kind of gave him which i mean could have been deliberate i mean you know they might be wanting to show that he you know whenever they worshiped him they thought he was the end all be all and over time they you know like lilith they kind of you know came to become disillusioned to what he really represented and you know he's kind of just the whiny baby that you know he's made out to be by you know christians or whoever but um you know i, I don't know but i mean that it, it does seem like they were went that way with the storyline with him. It kind of, he over time just became mm-hmm. less of a threat and less of a, even a, a thing in the show. It's a little sad, Lucifer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we get through this episode though, after Baron Samedi does his thing and, and everybody's returned back to the rightful spot. Um, and we get probably the best episode in this, this last season and probably of the show period. And that is the endless, and um, this is the one that actually follows Sabrina Morningstar while all Satanic Panic and all that was going on. She was having her own adventure in some kind of pocket dimension uh, where, uh, of all beings, Salem, the talking puppet cat from the old 1996 you know, television show, is the eldritch terror that continuously writes and rewrites the show uh, to his whims and just basically it, the relives uh, the spring of the teenage witch like on an endless loop, like just continuously changing people in and out, but like it's a hellscape where, oh, you know. Oh, yeah, changing actors, <laughs> yeah. It's just like. I thought that was fucking hilarious. It, it I mean, I love meta episodes. Uh, I mean, you know, Supernatural, going back to that, The French Mistake, I mean, you know, great, oh, great yeah. episode. This is another one of those. It's like, you know, they, they knew just what to kind of, you know, do to kind of you know, not really make fun, pay homage to the, you know, what came before and, you know, having the original, you know, uh, Hilda and Zelda, uh, Carolyn Ray and, uh, and Broderick having her, her there, Beth Broderick. And then having the Salem puppet. Did, did they use the actual voice actor for Salem? I never did look that up to see. 
oh my god you know what let me take a look so keep going and i'm gonna research that real quick but well anyways the character of the endless just to kind of give a little background uh is based upon uh, a being that lovecraft came up with called thesadon uh who's called master of the endless void so basically the the endless and the the void kind of are tied in together and that's kind of why in this episode they kind of hand in hand but um it he he's kind of in in if they were going to have in this show a weak Lovecraft villain, this would have been the one to have that they could have actually had in their budget, you know, outside of having who they did. Because in uh, Lovecraft only depicted this this being as like a mace wielding suit of armor, so it's like you know, okay, you know, big, that you know, big eldritch terror there. But um, it's just kind of interesting that you know the, the the void and the endless are tied together, and they kind of made it you know into the episode the way they did because you've got the endless repetition from the endless, but then you've got the void coming in to basically destroy the show. And that might've even been a more meta narrative about how Netflix was getting ready to cancel chilling adventures of Sabrina. So I thought that was a neat little twist on it. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> neat little twist, but I have to say still, I have to repeat this cause I know I've already said the whole, I like how in that universe, AKA the, <laughs> The, the set of the Sabrina the Teenage Witch show, I like how everyone was on edge about being replaced <laughs> as an actor or going to, what was the room called again? The, the green, green room? room, yeah, because that's where... Uh, the green room, yeah. That's where they had... Um, uh, uh, they, they had Ambrose and he was in there and he was basically cutting them up to make the tuna that was everybody was eating through the episode, which, man, when they, reveal, when they revealed what the tuna actually was, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> It was a good twist. It was, I mean, it was a, and I liked how they did that. Yeah, it, which was, oh my God, that was so gross. But yeah, it, it worked though. I, the only thing that I missed in this episode that I wish that they could have tied back into, it would have been great if they would have somehow worked Melissa Joan Hart into it, even if they would have shown like a picture in the green room or something in the background. And maybe they did, maybe there's an Easter egg, but if they would have at least, you know, acknowledged that there was another Sabrina and that that's who Sabrina Morningstar had just replaced, that would have been awesome, you know, but uh, I, I don't, I never saw that whenever I watched it upon the, the first viewing, so... Yeah, well, I'm looking, and um, the actor that did the voice of Salem in uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the 1996 series, was Nick Bakay. Yeah, yeah, that's. Um, and I do not see him listed as. Um, I do not see him listed as the actor that did the voice. I don't have a name actually for the actor that did it in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That's interesting. So that is not confirmed or denied at the moment, but I can tell you, it looks like the guy who did. Um, Hold on, wait a second. Oh, no, I take that back. For sure, he was not in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Okay, okay. So, okay, but I can say that uh, the guy who plays Lucifer, the actor that plays Lucifer in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, did the voice of Salem when he first appeared in this series. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yes, so I have that information. <laughs> Hopefully it's correct information. Look at I'm reading it from an article. <laughs> take it with a grain of salt, okay? Um. If there was any negative, I have to give this episode. And like I said, I, I loved the way the meta narrative. I loved everything they did with it. The only thing that I didn't like was the fact that they, I mean, because they did give some closure also to like Sabrina Morningstar. She was trying to reconnect with, you know, people that she, you know, being 
formerly Sabrina and being disconnected from Harvey and the rest, she kind of got some of that, you know, back because she, even though they were alternate versions of the people she knew, the only, the only bad thing I didn't like about, or that I, you know, disliked about this episode was the fact that in the aftermath of the episode, when she does this daring escape with her in Salem, it, and it's not really this episode's problem anyways, it's the next episode, it, it, it doesn't mm-hmm. pay off because they don't show what happens to her. You know, it, it doesn't show the void actually can, catching her right before she jumps through the mirror. But in the next episode, when we cut to it, her Salem's gone and she's dying. So I feel like there's a scene missing there somewhere. And I don't know what happened, why they why they showed it the way they did. Yeah, I didn't like it. First of all, you, you killed Salem. Fuck you. <laughs> I just want you to know that right now. Talking Salem, Okay. Second, it was kind of sad because you see them just break through the mirror. And Sabrina has a few more words, but Salem is just like a lump of fur that just boom, falls through. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? It was all for nothing. Why? Yeah, it was It was like all of that, you know, that happened in the episode was for nothing. Because when she gets back to the main world, like there's nothing left of either one of them. And it's like, I mean, it kind of seemed pointless to, to an extent. Oh dear God! But uh, it just feeds into the next episode. Let's go into it on the void. That's that's what attacked them at the end of the endless episode. Um, I've got to say, um, and I don't know of a particular entity that this is based on. I think it's just a general idea that all things will end and nothingness. That's kind of, that's kind of a Lovecraftian thought, but it's really not like an entity per se. Yeah. I hate. And that's how I felt about it, too. I kind of hated how this was represented because it was, I mean, of all the ways, I mean, they've been so creative in every, like, I mean, they're monsters, how they come up with all these things. Like, we talked about the dreams, how they looked. They literally represented the void as, like, a white room with some shit on the walls and some, like, (laughs) artwork artwork and some planets that are beach balls, like, laying around randomly in places. And that that's the void. And it was like, what in the world are you doing, guys? Did you run out of a budget that badly at the end that you just, like, you know, we got a, you know, white room, you know, just throw some beach balls in there, make them look like, you know, planets, and th- that'll be cool because it's supposed to be an, uh, a galaxy that's been consumed. I mean, like, it, it was... It was such a weak rep. I feel like their minds were the void. There was nothing. They had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be the issue, but I just felt like it was such a weak representation of this thing that's really the worst of all of the terrors that, that they've, you know, went against because this one actually represents the thing that's going to, you know, wipe them all out, essentially. I mean, completely eradicate any, you know, part of them whatsoever, and it's just a white room. I mean, it's like, I don't know, it, it was just such a letdown because, and especially this episode, The the Void, has one of the best set designs they've done on the show, period, and that's the Mountains of Madness set that they have toward the end of the episode. I mean, the way they designed that. Yeah, which I like the way they look. The way they did it, the way that they made the rocks and the, you know, the altar and everything look. I mean, it was, that was straight out of Lovecraft. I mean, that is something, you know, the Mountains of Madness story itself, that's what you would imagine. So they did such a good job with that set, but then to represent the void is such a, you know, I, it was it was a disappointment to me. When I saw that, I was just like, okay, whatever. This is the last episode. Let's just get this over with. Let's let's go. And I don't know. I mean, and we have to say on this last episode, I, I, I kind of felt like the plot was a little, uh, you know, kind of a, a mess too. I mean, they, they take... They take the Sabrina Morningstar that's had her soul basically consumed, but her body's still there. 
And then they take the Sabrina Spellman, whose body has been consumed, but they pull her soul back out, and they combine the two of them, and now you've got that whole issue. I mean, and I, I guess that's... Yeah, you got the soul of one and the body of the other, which technically combines yeah, them. Yeah, and, and I guess it's okay, but I just didn't, I mean, it was kind of a, like, what's the point? Why are they, you know, why are they going through all this trouble? Because I don't really feel like it paid off any toward the end. I mean, other than the fact that it pissed Lucifer off some more, but Big Whoop, I mean, he's been kind of a non-issue for the entire last, you know, few episodes anyways. And then... Yeah, I just feel like you could just <laughs> flick him off your shoulder, like, get away, go. And then you've got, I mean, and of course, you know, Sabrina's in the middle of, you know, using Pandora's box, which I thought was a, that was a neat bit of lore, trying to, you know, say that Pandora's box was the way to defeat the void. I mean, because it could trap the void in it, you know. I thought that, that was That was cool. a neat idea. Um, visually, like I said, in the white room and all that, it didn't work. But, I mean, as an idea, it was it was neat. But then they, they don't allow it to go far enough because, of course, Sabrina's family has to pull her back before she's completed it. And so then they have to, then they turn around and go the uh, complete opposite route where she's her, she's brought the, the, the void back within her. Her own soul is the void now. She, things around her are disappearing left and right. Uh, anytime she gets a little bit, you know, emotional or anything like that. Excited, yeah. Things, yeah. you know, just are consumed. Um, at one point she gets, uh, attacked or, well, Caliban shows up and he tries to, uh, attack her. And that, I got to bring this up now just cause I remembered it. There's an episode and I, and I think it's one or two back from here and it might've been this one. I can't remember. They all kind of blended together toward the end, but Caliban meets up with Sabrina. He thinks it's Sabrina Morningstar. I think it's toward the first of this season. He, he thinks it's Sabrina Morningstar. Yeah. Sabrina Spellman's kind of playing a joke on him. She hates him. So she's like, cut your balls off, hand them to me to prove you're, you know, can be a member of the church of Hecate. And then, you know, we'll get together. So he, <laughs> so he literally does that. And, you know, and, and he, and here's the, here's the part. He, he, it's for the church of Hecate. I've got to specify that. There's an episode like one or two later where Caliban's in hell. He's got the Lord's hell with him. And it might've been this episode where that happened. But anyways, and they're like, they don't even worship Lucifer anymore. And he kind of gives this look like they don't. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, dude, you were just there. You cut your damn balls off because, you know, they were uh, toward Hecate. What is your, (laughs) you didn't realize that Lucifer's statue wouldn't, you know, and it it was like somebody had forgotten the writing room or something, or they were just making Caliban so stupid that, you know, which I guess that might. Oh, Reverend, (laughs) you know, he's just so pretty. And that's where you just got to not expect so much. Okay. He's pretty. That's, that's all that matters. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It, it just struck me as odd. I'm like, you were just there. You cut your balls off for Hecate, and now you don't remember that they worship. Uh, okay, fine. Whatever. We'll move on. This is the end. Okay, wait, though. Before we move on from that, we have to talk about what he handed to Sabrina. <laughs> and I think it was more, It was Morningstar. He handed her two little clay balls, which was fucking hilarious. <laughs> that was pretty funny. We're not going to breeze over yeah, that. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And then I guess it... Now, did it come to light later on when she talked to, when Sabrina Morningstar talked to Sabrina Spellman, did it come to light that it didn't matter because he's made out of clay, so you could just fucking... Yeah, that, that's what she said. On? She's like, it's all right. He's made out of clay anyways. He just, we can reattach him. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. Oh, what are we doing with our lives? But anyways, he, going back to this episode, he shows up, he's mad. His Sabrina's gone, so now he's going to make everybody else pay, and that's when Sabrina throws him into the void, uh throws in Harvey's dad because he's like mind controlled some other people or, or, you know, somebody around there has. And so now Harvey's got, I, I mean, I feel like Harvey's been shit on this entire, like, you know, show because it's like, 
first his brother's killed because of something that happens in town and now his dad gets thrown into the void and like two or three times like the yeah the crazy <laughs> uncle or something yeah the, didn't he have like the possessed uncle too? Um, it was either him or Theo that had the possessed uncle. I can't remember. It was one of the two. Oh, okay. But it was scary though. That yeah, was that was actually a good episode. Um, but I, I just like, and it's like, okay, here's one more thing, and you know, but but at least Harvey, you know, comes out at the end, and he he even though he's pissed off, he does the right thing, you know, in the very last part of the episode to go in there and help, you know, risk his life in the void to save everybody. So at least there's that. But um, I it's just. And, and we get to the point uh, in this episode, too, and, and, and this goes back to our previous discussion about Theo. This would have been the perfect time to have had Theo stand up and be the, the you know, the hero. We've had the, you know, when, when the transition occurred, we had Theo become the villain, basically, you know, using whatever shortcuts was needed to get on the, the basketball team and, be all, and, you know, be the person that he thought he should be. But in this episode, in this last episode, literally Theo uh, is—I don't even—is like a non-issue. It's 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 Theo's boyfriend who's the one that steps up and become you know is the one that they use to you know help rush people in and out of the void or whatever to kind of help save people. And I kind of felt like that was a very big missed opportunity because it was the last real good way to you know to kind of show that Theo you know mattered you know as a as a as a hero type character. Um, I don't know. Did you feel the same way or did you feel like they gave Theo his due in the show? No, Theo was not given his due. Uh, Theo, sadly, was very forgettable. <laughs> um, Because I don't even remember Theo in this episode. And I know that sounds so disrespectful and I'm not trying to be. But when you have the ability to make somebody stand out and bring something like, I'm trying to remember. I'm thinking in my head right now. Was Theo, you know how everybody kind of had their own powers? Like, okay, for instance, Harvey was, it comes from a line of right. witch hunters, but also had the ability to see, like, the artists that have seen hell. In oh, some yeah, way yeah. I, I forgot that. Okay. Yeah, he has the ability, he's been where he. he can translate what Roz is seeing, basically, into, into picture form. Yeah, especially once he yeah. plugs into her. Literally. <laughs> he gets some yeah. of her powers. Okay, we obviously knew Roz has the cunning. And, and, and little, a little bit of critique okay. on this one. The cunning was an excellent idea, and I love the fact that they originally differentiated the, the cunning women who were Christians versus the witch women who were satanic. Mm -hmm. They're all the same in this last season, and that, that kind of, I thought that was disappointing and kind of a, you know, a, a sad twist because when Mambo Marie comes or finds out that, you know, uh, Roz has the cunning... She's like, oh, honey, you're a witch, you know? And it's like, what? It's like, I thought we were, and then, you know. <laughs> well, see, I, I, the one thing I have to say about this, and this is coming from a Catholic Christian, look at, it, it is true. Look at, a lot of this stuff was stolen from pagans and, well, and ultimately what turned into witches, because witches and, and pagans don't always identify. They're not the same, you know? Um, you cannot call a pagan a witch unless they want to be called a pagan witch. Um, there's such thing as Christian witches, uh, there's such thing. I mean, every, everyone has their own thing. So I really think it does work because technically it is the same thing. There's different ways you can practice it, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like the same power, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I just thought that it was been, it was neater as a concept that there was a separation between the two versus just say, you know, saying, you know, yeah, I, I, I'll give you um, that. But anyways, I'll give you that. But now, wait, did, did Theo, I thought Theo had the, Theo too. saw his 
you know, this was when Theo was Susie. Theo was able to see his ancestor, Goody Putnam, and and Goody Putnam like was able to like give Theo like advice or you know it was kind of it was kind of vague. It was almost like a version of the cunning where you know Theo was told things that Theo shouldn't know without you know without you know, oh, and yeah. they just totally done away with it. Once Theo became Theo, they they and came from an ancestor or came from a line of witches so, too, didn't it, didn't well Owen. Puritan women. I don't know if it was necessarily you know established like i said it was kind of sloppy and then instead of you know developing it further they kind of just dropped it you know altogether. when theo transitioned into theo it was like you know goody putnam never showed up again so that was theo's only power was transition that's literally what they made it i mean and that goes back to the reason why i feel like the second season just suffers so badly because if they would have came in in this season and somehow brought Theo back to the limelight, kind of gave Theo something to do, kind of, you know, rectified that that plot line, it would have saved the second season, you know, and like, okay, here's the reason we gave Theo so much emphasis, because Theo really did matter, but, you know, no, it was Theo's boyfriend that mattered, because he's, he's a hobgoblin, and he can run super fast, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's such a disservice, but okay. Um, and then, well, we get to the ending, and, and we've got to talk about this ending because, of course, Sabrina, Sabrina Sack. <laughs> Do we have to talk about well, it? Well, I feel like we have to just for, you know. To, to, we have to. <laughs> Sabrina is on the altar. Uh, she is dying. She's, you know, she's she's tapped into the void. Uh, they they realize they have to bleed her out to be able to, uh, to get access to the void so they can go in there and save the people that, that she's consumed. Um, she, in the process, she bleeds out completely and dies. Um, and then she goes to her own version of the afterlife. It doesn't really say where she goes. I mean, she's obviously not in hell because it's not hell as it's been established. We don't know what heaven looks like in the series. And it almost looks like the void, just like her version of the void. So I don't know what that's supposed to mean. But the worst part about that to me is the fact that, you know, a, a couple of things, which, I mean, you, you bring up your portion of it because we've had this discussion prior to this. She, she gave her soul to Lucifer. And I mean, even if it was Sabrina Morningstar, you could ultimately say was the one who, you know, of the two, I mean, it's kind of splitting hairs, literally, I mean, between the two of them. Uh, I feel like Sabrina had already sold her soul, so she should have went to hell, you know, regardless. But if you, go with what your your portion of it you're going to say or that you told me even if you say that i just think that the ending adding in the part where nick scratch kills himself just to be back with sabrina in the afterlife that doesn't work out for me whatsoever i mean first of all they barely established in the last few episodes that the two of them were even a thing again and then the fact that he's able to come back and, and be in the same afterlife as her makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever because he didn't do uh, anything to necessitate being outside of hell. But uh, what what's your rebuttal to that? Well, not so much a rebuttal because I, I, well, I guess it would be a rebuttal. I agree with you that it was very much a lackluster ending. It still doesn't make sense even though I tried to give you reasons that it, could possibly make and, sense. And what, and what were those reasons? So, for instance, I feel like this is kind of like a, a purgatory or a waiting room per se. I don't feel like purgatory so much. You kind of have a negative, not you personally, but people kind of have this negative stance on purgatory and what it actually is. I feel like it was a waiting room for judgment because at the end of the day, you still get the opportunity to be judged. 
Although I agree with you, killing yourself generally gives you a one-way ticket to hell. That's the perception. So I felt like she was on some kind of purgatory waiting room where I hope, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but it'd be really great if, you know, God and the devil had to fight each other for her because technically she was signed into both books. So I'd like to see a, a clash of those two. That That'd would be, be awesome. interesting. Uh, swords. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to see lightning th- uh, bolts being thrown. Um, uh, one thing I would... Yes, that, that, that one, would be One thing cool. I'd like to say, though, if, as we've established, they have really neutered Lucifer in these last few episodes. If there is a fight between God and the devil, I feel like at this point, it's just... I mean, it's... <laughs> it's not really going to pan out to be that epic of a battle. <laughs> <laughs> Look at I said okay. I hope, okay? So I feel like they're in a purgatory. Now, Nick said he swam in, excuse me, the Lake of Sorrows? Sea of, sea of Sorrows, Sorrow? I believe. Sea of Sorrows, okay. Whether or not his intent was to die, that I guess they kind of left that open to interpretation. So he died, okay, maybe he didn't intend. So he gets to be judged by that. How did he find Sabrina? Well, the only thing I could come up with, and I also read this, and I was like, maybe that probably is that they had those lockets. And he specifically said, and I forget which episode, so we can always find each other. That's the only reason I could think he found her in this waiting room, per se. And that's that's kind of what I came up with, is um, she's still sitting there waiting for judgment. Look, the devil doesn't even want her. Lucifer doesn't want her. And and that... She's she signed the book, and he's like, "No, you're not my daughter." Yeah, I, yeah, I'm torn on that too because what would his would he be so upset the fact that that wasn't his daughter that he would kick her out of hell, basically, you know, uh, forcing her to walk the earth or whatever, you know, like the old Jack tale, you know, about uh, Jack being kicked out of heaven and hell and being forced to walk around with a jack o' lantern, you know, or would um. Or would he be so pissed off at her that he would keep her around just torture? I mean, that that's the question you got to ask. Yeah, true story. And what if, plot twist, she meets God, the ultimate father, and he denies her? She really has no father. <laughs> that's true, but is it... It's a sad, sad life well, for Sabrina. Well, that'd be the sad life of Sabrina, but is that like some kind of uh, meta commentary, like some social commentary about... Uh, women and the patriarchy or something like that. I mean, is that really what, is that what it's going to, you know? (laughs) I don't know. These are the thoughts I had in my head. The the locket. Um, Yeah. The locket idea is okay though. I mean, it's, it's more headcanon, more fan fiction, I believe, than, than the show deserves for what it gave us. But it does explain a little bit more about how he found his way there. I still don't, think it was a good ending but i mean it it's it's a little bit more you know it's a little bit better if you think of it in that term yeah that's all i could think of and like is he dead or did he just somehow find a way to get to her so there's a lot of unanswered questions with this ending in general um one of the questions i have i'm gonna go straight into it why didn't the ants bury her in the special garden which i forget i wrote down the name of what it was called they had a special plot of land that you can bury people and they come back to life why didn't they do that with sabrina why didn't zelda do that with her dog now that we're talking about that why didn't they put salem there what Jesus Christ! <laughs> what didn't make any sense about the the burying her in the the graveyard was the fact that I and and I could have swore that this was how it, it how this went 
although I kind of checked out at this point because I was kind of dis I mean, I was just wholly disappointed about what I was watching. But there was a scene between Hilda and Zelda, and I think one of the two mentioned uh, doing that, and the other one said, no, she did what she needed to do, let her go. And I, and it was, it was a, I it was a weird comment. It was, just, and I, and I believe Hilda said it of all people. And it was like the, the fun aunt was the one that said she did what she needed to do, let her go. And I'm just like, you were the person who was raised like umpteen billion times by this and you benefited, but now it's fine when Sabrina just kicks the bucket and she's gone. I mean, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Maybe it was just too much chaos. They were tired of watching her ass. They're trying to say, tired of saving it, her ass. And they're like, you know, let, let her sleep honestly, for a while. <laughs> honestly, if you want to get meta about it, it almost sounded like the writers. It was like, you know, them, you know, together. It's like, oh, we can bring her back. We've got this MacGuffin that's worked every time. And it's like, no, she's did what she needed to do. Just let her go. You know, it, it that, that's almost like they were, it, that, that the two characters, the two ants were standing in for the writers and basically giving their thoughts on all of it. It was awesome. <laughs> that, that's, so... Let's give our season rankings uh, of the ones that we've got out there. Um, obviously, uh, for me, season three is the best, um, just for all the reasons we discussed. Um, then I would probably go to season one because of the world building and all of the, you know, just the great ways that they set up the show. Um, regardless of how it turned out, it was a great opening season. Um, I would then probably put this last season next because even it had some decent, if it was tweaked, if they would have done, like I said, it maybe focused on less Eldritch terrors, you know, build up there. The lore was good in some of the episodes. If they would have just did a better job, not trying to like, you know, put so much out there, it could have been right up there with some of the best, but they, they cut corners and it really shows. Uh, so it would be my next to last, and of course I'd put the second season last because it was just a mess. The the stuff with Theo was so in your face, it didn't fit anywhere, and I just kind of feel like that's kind of how it all shook out. I'm pretty close to you, not exact, so uh, for reasons I don't need to even explain, uh, season three was my favorite. Um, we went into that pretty well, so... Number one, definitely because of the world building. I couldn't have said it better myself. It was... Something about that season, it just really tied me in really well. I liked the horror aspect of it. I liked how it captivated me um, and left me wanting more. And then the only differences I have is season two was next, only because it was a continuation of season one, kind of. I mean, granted, they had their bad parts to it. Like I said, easily forgettable for me. That's probably why it's my number three instead of the last. It's for a lot me. better to forget um, than to be tortured, that... basically. <laughs> yeah, I liked the witch hunting and I loved the resurrection of that... Sabrina, and that was the very end. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, so that was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. So that was why number or season two was my number three, and then last for me was season four, but because. The only episode I really, really liked, aside from the Cthulhu episode, because I thought that was the only cool monster, even though they made it a little pussy octop uh, octopus. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, the words that come to my head was the obviously the season, the episode with Talking Salem, and the ants were so scary. They did the fact that they took the original ants and turned them into these B movie monsters, which. Uh, was that, amazing. That, that was really good. Um, they did a really yeah. good job. Yeah, they made it good and creepy because the whole thing, especially with the green room and the tuna, it was 
it was like a, a little mini movie and brought me so much joy. But despite all of that, everything surrounding episode four was just so sad, heartbreaking, not and, and not in a way where you're happy, where you're like, oh, this is how it has to end. It was like, this is how yeah, it's ending. It's, yeah. Why? What did she do? <laughs> you know? What, why, why did why do you why did why, why do the writers that? hate us so much? <laughs> yeah, and it was sad. Now I feel like they've left a lot open for somebody to take over. For someone to take over, there's a lot of fixing they would have to do. Um, I don't know. You've seen Lucifer, right? Yes, of course you've seen Lucifer. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it. And you saw how season two ended and how that was supposed to be the last season. And it was kind of, I watched it on Netflix. So when I watched it, I was like, why did it end this way? That's weird. And then I remembered, oh, wait, this is how Fox ended it. Okay. And then it rolled right into season three, which Netflix took over. And to me, it, it was kind of like, okay, that was still weird. Why did that happen? Well, duh, because they canceled it. So I really do think they do have openings to for someone to pick it up and take it away and say, okay, yeah, that was weird what happened, but we're not going to think about that. We're going to think about this shit over here, you know? They're, they're, That's my they'll, they'll have to retcon the very, very end of this episode. I don't see any way they can get around it because, I mean, uh, you know, unless they just say, well, it did happen, but, you know, she was, like you said, in waiting and, you know, it, it, and all that. I kind of feel like everything else around it. Uh, or, you know, that just that final scene with her in purgatory, I feel like if they retcon that and kind of say that was like what she was seeing in her mind that she was dying or some kind of thing like that, then they can they can work with what they've got because literally they can go back to the point where she's laying, I mean, maybe even all the stuff that happened after, just have it have her on the table, you know, have her dying, have her see in her mind all this crap, you know, all the other stuff was her, it's her, you know, and oh, her, yeah. it's her dying, you know, images. And then she, you know, all of a sudden she wakes up on the table and, you know, maybe even the mortuary and she's like, you know, with a big gasp of air and it's like Ambrose is there and he's like, welcome back, cuz, or whatever, you know, they, they could bring, they could retcon it and make it work but i don't feel like it would work that well if they take it straight from how it ended they would have to do a little manipulation to kind of get the yeah work. yeah oh definitely definitely without a doubt so and and i don't know that the theories that that they might tie it in with riverdale are interesting there was there's one episode of season two of riverdale where they go to greendale for one episode and it's one of the best episodes of Riverdale just because of how creepy it is. They see like an undead deer and there's like some kind of serial killer in the woods and all this other stuff because Greendale's just a horrible place apparently. But I mean, I, I, it would be interesting to see the darker take that they've kind of, they had originally at least on Riverdale. They don't have it now. It's kind of a shit show, but the darker take they had with Jughead and, you know, Archie and, and the rest of the cast or whatever and combine that with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, that would be interesting to see. I don't know how it would work out, but I I would be interested in it if they did it, you know, kind of the way they hinted at in that second season of Riverdale. I will say when they did um, interview, is it Kiernan yes. Shipka? Mm -hmm. Okay, I do know they interviewed her very recently, and it felt like to me, and I could be reading this wrong, and it could be hope that's inside of me, so I'll throw that out there. It did seem like she was trying to hide something like she knew something about what was going to happen because she very much left it open about Sabrina coming back in one way or another. Um, and Riverdale was a strong 
You could feel it. She was just like, yeah, I mean, it's possible. But the way she, it wasn't like a, yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. It was more of a like, yeah, I can't, I can't talk about it kind of, you know, mentality. So I guess we can only see at this point. That's kind of where it leaves it at. And that's the, that's how we leave it on this episode. I'm, you know, thankful for everybody who sat through all of this, kind of went through it all together with us. And hopefully you, uh, got more enjoyment out of that last season than we did, but um, it, it kind of is what it is at this point. This was only supposed to be a, a, a half hour to an hour episode. <laughs> and, and it ballooned into this. It's kind of, that's kind of how these things go. Totally worth um, it. Totally worth it. Uh, join us next time for our discussion on Rosemary's Baby. I'm really looking forward to that one. I think we've both kind of uh, been itching to, to kind of review that. And uh, do you have anything else uh, going oh, on yes. uh, with uh, Blue Collar BS or, uh, you know, Hot Mess Express? Aside from the fact that I just found out that, yeah, the, the hubby just uh, told me that we're doing upgrades to the studio. So that was news, actually, that you uh, told me about. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to the episode, I had to go listen to the episode like, what the hell are we doing? So, yes, we have some changes that come into the studio. I guess allegedly on this end, we're going to have some video. Uh, you will not be seeing video for Death Holler. going to let you know that right now. <laughs> Hot Mess Express is kind of here and there. It's really hard with uh, one of the key players, that being Candy, you know, with her job as an EMT. So, you know, we record when we can, but you can catch us on the Blue Collar BS Network. That would be uh, the actual Blue Collar BS show, Hot Mess Express, as well as Death Holler. And you can catch us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and now Pandora. Ooh, nice. So we are uh, spreading out there. <laughs> We're spreading out there. No specific dates of when you can catch us. Just, hey, do your periodical checks. Maybe hit the follow button so that whenever something new is posted, we don't have to tell you about it. And with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit. If you enjoyed this episode of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, please join us again for our next show. Death Holler is brought to you by Blue Collar BS with your host, Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. Please like, subscribe, follow, and share. We'll catch you next time. And don't forget to bring your death certificate.